Do you find yourself wishing you had more energy, healthier habits, or fun family activities? At the YMCA, you can find your passion, find family fun, and find your happy place, all while supporting your community. Join the Y in March with a $0 enrollment fee and enjoy motivating group exercise classes, heated pools, pickleball, and so much more. Visit YMCADC.org to learn more and to find your nearest Y in D.C., Maryland, or Virginia today. Live to tape. Welcome to Millennial Season 3, Episode 30. I'm Andrew. I'm Elisa. And I'm Matt. Oh, this past week. This past <laughs> week. This past year. Is anything anything happen? Is there anything this, going on? This past 200 and something days since Donald Trump took office. We're just going to jump right into it. Um, and then later in the show, we will have some other things to talk about, including Trump did, you know, like save us from North Korea, but he kind of created that matter himself. And we are going to talk some tech news and we are going to talk some movie news, but, but we have to talk about Charlottesville first. Elisa, what, can you give us a quick recap of what's happened? So starting Friday night, At the University of Virginia, a bunch of white supremacists, neo-Nazis, and Klansmen decided to take up uh, tiki torches and march to the center of of the town and surround a Confederate statue that was scheduled to be taken down over the weekend. They were offended by the removal of a Confederate statue um, and wanted to demonstrate... um, uh, against against that removal on their march friday night uh to that statue they started chanting things like you will not replace us jews will not replace us blood and soil which is a famous nazi slogan and um the next day uh the unrest really erupted on on saturday because now that everyone realized that these white supremacists were out in force, uh, anti-white supremacists, a.k.a. normal humans, decided to show up and, um, and protest them. And this just led to just tragedy on, on multiple levels, not the least of which was the fact that they even had to go out and do that at all. Um, police showed up to try and keep the peace but it got very violent very quickly. Um, And uh, notably, of course, uh, three people died, two police officers, one citizen. Her name was Heather Heyer. um, And it happened when one of the white supremacists got into his vehicle and drove purposefully and deliberately through a crowd of the anti-white supremacist protesters with the clear and obvious intent of trying to injure or kill people. Uh, unfortunately, he succeeded. Heather died today. Her funeral was held. Um, and and that's that's the quick recap. I'm sure pretty much everyone knows that much, but I thought it was worth giving context to what we're going to be talking about. 
Yeah, her memorial service, Heather's memorial service, by the way, um, I watched some clips from it, mainly from when her mother spoke, and she had some really nice things to say, even pointing out that the Nazis were hoping that they were going to silence Heather, but they only amplified her message yeah. by killing her. And that, that got her a standing ovation at the memorial service. It was nice to see. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I guess first we want to go around the table and talk about what were our reactions as we were watching all this unfold. I actually had gone to bed early Friday night because the next day I was driving to Chicago for 12 hours. And so I, I, I wake up Saturday morning to people talking about torches and I'm like, what the hell happened last night? And then I turn on CNN during my ride and I, I start to learn it all. And really I actually missed all of the, news unfolding because i was in the car and i didn't want to listen to cnn 12 hours for 12 hours that would you know no matter what day it is that sounds like a terrible day so um yeah watching this unfold i i have to say i you you always know that those people are still out there um so i can't say i was surprised to hear that it happened but i guess i was surprised by the magnitude of the crowd and what actually did go down with that person um, driving the car through the crowd. The video, it's just shocking to watch, um, you know, with everybody holding a camera these days, and especially at protests, everybody's got their cameras on it. That that crash was unfortunately very well captured, but you just couldn't help overall just feel sad, feel sad about everything that's unfolding, feeling sad that this type of thing is still happening here. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I I remember I I did see some of the um some of the the march late Friday night, but it was very late. I missed I missed the live feed of it. I sort of saw, you know, a recap at like one in the morning or something like that. And just thinking to myself, my God, these people think that oppression is tearing down a statue of oppressors. That's their idea of being oppressed. That's what they yeah. think oppression is. That's the is, worst thing that's happened to them in their life. Right. They they are they they're carrying guns and and willfully violent and um and 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 hate mongering and spreading bigotry because of a statue. My God, <laughs> what a privileged life you must have led. Of yeah. course, you know, the, the, the counterpoint to that, and I do realize this, it never really was about a statue. You know, it really, um, the statue was more symbolic of what they feel is just the degradation of America because, God forbid, there are slightly fewer white people on it these days. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just, it's just really a symbolism of the fact that, you know, I, the Confederate statue represented racism and white supremacy. And it was being torn down. That felt threatening to mm-hmm. them because they're small people and they really don't have much else going on in their lives other than their sense of self-entitlement and being better than everyone because of their genetics. Which right. And not, is not at any point the during the protest either where any of the chants or signs had any, any connection to Robert E. Lee. It was all about white supremacy and to the uh, against Jews, against uh, African Americans, against homosexuals. It was all the basic white supremacy rhetoric that we we know them to be. 
And what I find what I find so telling about that, what I find so telling is that these are the same folks that keep insisting the Civil War wasn't really about slavery. They're, these are the same folks who keep insisting that it's about heritage, not hate. And then they come out with swastikas and chanting the N-word. So you don't get to have it both ways. You can go out and, and demonstrate um, for in favor of your hateful, bigoted agenda, but you don't then get to pretend like it wasn't a hateful and bigoted agenda. You don't get to say the Civil War wasn't about this when clearly you're protesting the removal of the statue because it was about that. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. It absolutely does. Like the whole, it's our it's our heritage they're trying to take away. What well, our heritage was <laughs> based off of oppression. So right. you don't really get to have that, or you don't get to fight for equality on on that heritage. And there's one thing I and, and and one thing that I have heard from a lot of I suppose well-meaning but clearly uh ill-informed um white folks on um and some some of my extended family and extended friends and what have you is that you know they don't feel that confederate statues are offensive. They don't see why they need to be torn down and that they don't support the protesters and the Nazis at all. Um, but they also don't support tearing down the statues. They're in this weird middle ground. And to that, I would, and, and their argument of course, is that the Confederacy and the civil war is our history for better or for worse. It's our history. Mm-hmm. And we need to remember our past, not try to erase it. And I understand where that mentality comes from, but I have to say, when you go to Germany, yep. you're not going to find statues of Hitler. When you when you go, you're not going to find statues of of Stalin. Um, well, maybe you actually will in Russia. Who knows? But you're not going to find statues of Mussolini in Italy. You don't find those things. But do we think that anyone's forgotten World War II? Do you think the Germans right. have forgotten Nazism? No, and no. Yeah. The public education, too, even in early ages, like I think elementary school age, German children are taught of uh, the Nazi and the World War II, uh, the history of World War II and their country, and that they have to know, they have to know everything that happened so it won't happen again. And these people also have to understand why people want these statues taken down. When 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 an African-American person, when a Jewish person... When, when when a statue like that of Robert E. Lee is up, how do those people who were affected, who whose whose roots were affected by this man, how do they feel? And people are deeply unsettled to see these types of statues in public places. Yeah. I was also thinking about Saddam Hussein's statue. Remember that one that was up in Baghdad and and yeah. and torn down almost fifteen years ago. Do these same people say, "Oh, that that statue of Saddam Hussein, that should still be up." They were wrong to tear that statue down. It was down. it was their past. Let's right. not erase it. And yeah, that let's and, keep and, it up. And that's and that goes to show the the ridiculousness of that argument, I think, because number 1, uh statues aren't there to teach us context and history. They're mm-hmm. there to memorialize a person or a movement. And right. they're there and, and they're there to to literally 
quite literally, and this is where the term comes from, put someone up on a pedestal. We don't want Hitler, Mussolini, um, Saddam Hussein, Gaddafi, or Robert E. fucking Lee on a pedestal. (laughs) We don't want them on a pedestal. And we shouldn't forget the Civil War. There are critical lessons to learn from that period. And I think and, and, and I, I hope that no one is arguing that we should forget our past or try to erase it. But I but there's just simply no argument to be made that taking down a statue is somehow erasing history. That's that is that's just madness. Mm-hmm. There has been some debate about maybe the statues should be moved to like a museum. What do we think about that? I personally think that's okay. You put this all, all, all this type of stuff in one place so you can go and you can remember the history. But this stuff by having it out on public display in a town says, in a way, that we remember these people for good reasons. If it's in right. a museum, it's being archived. It's mm-hmm. saying this existed and here's a piece of that history. Right. It signals right. a sense of respect and and acknowledgement of who that person was and what they represented and having it out. It just, it kind of validates uh, how the white, how white supremacists or neo-Nazis feel about the civil war and what the South represented during the civil war. At least in a museum, you can give context and an actual history lesson about who this statue is of and what this person did but when you have them in a public sphere, particularly on public property, uh, there's really no one's going up and reading the three sentence plaque at the bottom of it. And even if they did, that's not giving you any context or, or history lesson. They're seeing this giant monument of a known and famed white supremacist. And that would terrify me. It, I mean, it scares me even as, even as a a white person. I can't imagine how I would feel if I were a person of color. And and I yeah. think if you're having trouble understanding this, really just ask yourself how you would feel if someone tried to erect a statue of Mussolini on public property yeah. in the United States. How would that make you feel? Or Pol Pot or Kim Jong-un. And I'm not saying all these people are exactly the same. Clearly different histories, different countries, yada, yada. But the the analogy works. Ask mm-hmm. yourself yeah. how you'd feel if we would erect a statue to someone like that and then realize that that's what we're doing with the Confederacy. Or not even just the statues, uh, like schools. Like there are multiple Robert E. Lee elementary and high schools. Like imagine being an African-American yeah. student having to go to Robert E. Lee High. Or, or just a statue or a name a school after anyone who has negatively affected white people, a broad range of white people. Like, should we put up a statue of Osama bin Laden? Let's see, let's see how the white people feel about that. Oh, but we want to remember what he did to this country. Right. It was our, it was our past. It's our history, guys. Yeah, it was so our. Bin, right. Let's, exactly. let's put it right next to One World Trade Center, so we can remember what he did. Exactly. Yeah. That's. That's actually the perfect analogy. Osama bin Laden in yeah. New York City. Yeah. It's our history. Let's see what the white people think of that. Yeah, it's stop our history. Trying to, stop trying to erase our history. Yeah, Defend come it. on. Come on. Museum. No, it's got to be out there where everybody can see it. 
Anyway, so the the other big part of this story is that our president has really fucked up this time. Um, he it started when he issued his initial statement. It was it was before. It it was after the night of 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 protest, but it was before um, Heather was killed. He stuck up for white nationalists by saying that there was wrongdoing on both sides, meaning wrongdoing by the white nationalists and wrongdoing by the people protesting the white nationalists. So there was backlash for that, and then he came out the next day or two days later. And issued another statement, scripted, in which it was an attempt to clear the air. You know, the Nazis are bad. White na- nationalists are bad. Uh, they can, you know, they he 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 got more specific because he originally wasn't specific. Right. And then Tuesday is when it all felt really fell apart. He he was doing an event about infrastructure, and he decided to take questions. And the thing thing was, according to reports, he wasn't supposed to take questions at the end of it, but of course he couldn't resist. It caught his staff by surprise. Mm-hmm. Now I'm sure most people have heard a lot of this. Um, Elisa asked for us to play clips, so I guess we will. I personally am sick of hearing these <laughs> sound bites, <laughs> but here we go. Well, I do think there's blame. Yes, I think there's blame on both sides. You look at you look at both sides. I think there's blame on both sides, and I have no doubt about it, and you don't have any doubt about it either. And, 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 and if you reported it accurately, you would say. They should have started this. They should have been started. And you had some very bad people in that group. But you also had people that were very fine people on both sides. You had people in that group, excuse me, excuse me, I saw the same pictures as you did. You had people in that group that were there to protest the taking down of, to them, a very, very important statue and the renaming of a park from Robert E. Lee to another. So there's a lot more there. I wanted to include that particular section because he said there were fine people on both sides. Now, anyone with a brain and Donald Trump clearly lacks one, knows that nobody there associating with the white nationalists were good people, were fine people. What is going on with him? Why can he not resist in saying something bad about these people? Because they're sucking his dick. That's the whole thing. He is terrified of losing that... That audience, that group of support, because he's such a narcissist that it doesn't matter what kind of people they are. As long as they support and, and, and praise him constantly, he's going to be happy and he's going to he's not going to blame. He's not going to do anything condescending towards them. This was President Trump's reaction and response to this event was, in my opinion, Maybe the greatest abdication of moral leadership that I've seen from a president in my lifetime. And I've seen some shit. We all have seen some shit. I remember, you know, I remember Colin Powell uh, being lied to and lying to us, lying to the nation about weapons of mass destruction Mm -hmm. and us 
going to war in the Middle East for for no inherent reason. And I I remember a lot of things. None of them, none of them made me ashamed uh, or embarrassed quite to this extent. I mean, they certainly did. Don't get me wrong. Those were terrible events. But this, to me, felt like the biggest cop-out I've ever heard. And to answer your question, I think Matt's right. I think that Trump is one of the most ignorant people in the public eye. Um, and I mean that I'm using that that word literally. He genuinely is a fucking moron. That combined with the fact that he is kind of racist himself, and then that combined with the fact that he knows that these people are among his base. Um, it's it's like the holy, it's the unholy trinity of reasons. He's an idiot. He's racist, and he knows that racists support him. Those three things combined have have brought us to this point, and I can't. I, I've never, I don't think, been so disappointed in my country. And I say my country because Trump is awful, but he is one man. Millions of us put him there. Not us specifically, but millions of Americans put him in that position in front of that microphone to say those fucking words. Yeah, and, I mean, I I think that's embarrassing. I think a good percentage of the people that did put him in the office wasn't the fact that they wanted him, but they wanted the party that he represented in the office. Right, and 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 it was this. That's I agree with you. A lot of Trump voters didn't actually love Trump, but they were Republicans and they identified with their party. Um, I don't care anymore i don't i i I don't care it's they they still they turned a blind eye to all the faults that trump was very open with us about to his credit he wore his his racism and his misogyny on his sleeve and they might not have voted for him because of those reasons but they still turned a blind eye to that reality and and he's he's not even he's not even a Republican. He's not even a conservative. He's an Mm-mm. opportunist. He's an opportunist, and he's a narcissist. And he hijacked our system, and got up on in front of the fucking White House, and and equated white supremacists and literal literal fucking Nazis to American citizens fighting Nazis. He basically said, oh, well, there's blame on both sides. It's all the same. I mean, this is bad. Sure. Yeah, I agree. But listen, there's some fine people on both sides and some blame on both sides. What? Was there blame on both sides in World War II? Was that also like, are we also responsible for like concentration camps where the the Americans fighting the Nazis just Mm -hmm. as bad as the Nazis? This is insane. Yeah. This is also, insane. the fact he didn't—the guy who ran his car through, like, through that that crowd—he did not even mention domestic terrorism. He did not even use the word terrorism. He said he was a murderer, and that was it. And that really f- fucking pissed me off because well, he is so—he is so excited whenever there is a act of uh, extreme terrorism from like extreme uh, Islam or. 
right. just any person of color. It just right. but he, feeds his argument. But this time he needed to get all the facts before he said anything is what he said. Yeah. Well, and the thing was, he was like, oh, yeah, the, the alt-left had, um, which, a whole, which is a whole other discussion, by the way, but the alt-left had, had bats there. And I'm thinking, like, well, don't you love the Second Amendment uh, being able to protect yourself? Like, I don't, I don't even see why that would be an argument yeah. on the left, even if that they was true. They came in with I, bats, but no, the other no. side came in with guns. Well, yeah, I, I I know, but I don't even think that was true necessarily. But let's just entertain him for a second. I don't I don't see how that could be an argument because yeah, these people were clearly psychotic. The the white nationalists who were there, and I mean, they had tiki torches. They could light somebody on fire. Those things from Bed Bath and Beyond are dangerous, or wherever they got them from. I mean, all in all, I think this this past Tuesday, what we witnessed was the real true Donald Trump. It was absolutely. This was the yeah, kind of person that he was. Like there was no doubt about it. The way that he was talking over all the reporters, saying, "No, no, excuse me, excuse me, I'm talking, I'm talking," and the fact that he said that he knew more than anybody in the room. You know it, the and I know it. Believe I me, I studied that video more than you. You know is- you're in. You know you've really fucked up when Fox News is no longer on your side. Yeah. Well, yeah, some people are defecting, but, um, you know, unfortunately, there are still people who are taking up Trump's side, uh, you know, Hannity and, and, and Tucker Carlson, I'm sure, are, are both standing up for him. But, yeah, you're right. There's been some very honest moments on Fox News where they're like, even we can't defend this. I still want to know what Donald Trump meant when he said there, are, there is fault on many sides. Many sides. Like, how many sides are there? There should there, be two. You either like Nazis or not. I it's, I can't imagine what he meant by that. I can only assume that he... I You know what? I don't know. I really... I don't know. And I'm not going to try to understand. Because it's not... There's a, it's pointless to understand crazy. And I, what's important to take away from this, though, is that I think we need to understand that what Trump says and does, unfortunately, has a real impact and i don't i don't blame him per se for for the riot or for for the white supremacists who came out those people are older than donald trump's presidency they've existed for a very long time and so i think it's really important that we not assume that trump is 100% to blame in some way even though he's for sure partially to blame it's important that we not we not be complacent with our analysis here and say that oh Trump equals all these white supremacists. He didn't create them. Um he has facilitated them. He's made it acceptable for them to be to exist in the public sphere. He's allowed them to be proud instead of in the shadows where they fucking belong. Um but these people existed before him, and the reason it's important to, to accept that and to understand that is because I feel like a lot of people think, oh, Trump, look how fucked up he is. He fucked up. Once Trump is gone, whether it takes four years or eight, once Trump is gone, we'll be better again. It's not true. It's it won't be better again. Works. But the thing is, is that a lot of the people who are at that rally or protest – 
especially the younger generations, they were they were using his name as a platform for for the protests or why they're there. They're using right. his name, and Trump is not condemning it. He is accepting of it because it is a it's a compliment or a endearing notion for him, and he can't help but just take it. Here's the here's one important point I want to make about about these folks, these white supremacists and these racists who came out over the weekend. What worries me is is that they didn't just they didn't just disappear into the ether after this weekend. They went back home. They went back home to their normal lives. One of them is going to sit on a jury someday and decide the fate of some person of color. Another one, I'm sure, is a teacher. Some of those folks we saw carrying torches and shouting the N-word is in a classroom right now, teaching kids. Another one works in HR at some company, God forbid, some public or government organization, and they're going to throw out any resume, except for those with the names Josh or Mike or Tim on it. Another one is is going to work in, I don't know, news. Another one maybe might be a producer at the local news station. Uh, several of them, I'm sure, are in law enforcement. And they're in charge of justice and public safety. So what worries me is not what these people do on Saturday in front of television cameras. What worries me is what they're doing Monday through Friday. What worries mm-hmm. me is knowing that they are, are everyday Americans with positions of authority and power, even in their own subtle small ways as teachers and jurists, and that their racism is bigger and more important than, the, than torches on a Friday night. Their racism mm-hmm. is infiltrating our society at every point. And we have to be cognizant of that. We have to be cognizant of that because... We need to understand that it's not over just because CNN and Fox News move on from the sound bites. It's still happening every mm-hmm. hour of every day in smaller, more subtle ways. And we have to take responsibility and ownership and speak out against them and protest uh, against them. For every demonstration they have, we have to have three. For every time someone posts some racist bullshit to Twitter, we have to post five anti-racist things uh, that's that's my takeaway that's i think something that uh we need to well be aware said. of mm-hmm. it does worry me though what you said because a lot of them in this whole group they all saw that this protest was a success yeah and there will be more or at least attempts at more and most of them are even yeah they're planning on more one thing i think that 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 is at issue here, and this is one reason this issue is not going to go his away. His comments are never going to go away, is because he can Trump can never ever admit he was wrong. When he takes a stance on something and says it the first time, he sticks with that opinion to the grave. So and, you know, until so, he forgets. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. So he he's going to be interviewed in the future. 
that's inevitable. They can they can try to hold him off from interviews in the future to prevent more backlash, but there are going to be more interviews during his presidency. And and that question will come up again, like his tax returns always come up and uh, like 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 uh, Comey always comes up and he's going to keep getting himself into trouble because he won't be able to turn around again and say, I was wrong to say these things because he's an old dude and he's set in his ways. A couple other things on Wednesday, uh, Donald Trump's business advisory panels, two of them were falling apart. The members were dropping like flies. And just as one of them announced that it was disbanding completely, Trump goes on Twitter and just goes, nah, I'm going to cancel them. I'm going to cancel you guys. You can't disband if I'm canceling you guys first. But in reality, what happened was they were disbanding. And then Trump decided that in order for him to look good and to save himself, he was just going to close them down so um so that happened looked very bad on him of course of course republicans including uh former presidents both george w bush's or george bush and george hw bush came out against uh what trump said and many republicans including mitt romney and mccain and donald trump or sorry and president obama went and tweeted something that ended up becoming the most liked tweet of all time. It was said by Nelson. Really? Yep, yep, all time. 3.8 million likes. He quoted Nelson Mandela. It was a three-part tweet. Um, it was the quote in which Nelson Mandela says, no one is born hating another person because of the color of his skin or his background or his religion. And mm. Obama included a picture of Obama. Or, yeah, Obama <laughs> included a picture of himself meeting some young children um, of different backgrounds. So people were very, people were very moved by that. But I, I actually need to complain. Where, where, where is the leader on the left that is clapping back? at Trump on the daily. Shouldn't Obama be doing more of this? Or shouldn't Hillary be doing more of this? Why have they been so quiet? I, um. I think it's a complicated dynamic because, I mean, two reasons, really. Number one is that every time Obama or Clinton um, opened their mouths to say something, a lot of times it just ends up fueling their opponents. And so there's something to be said for letting someone crash and burn on their own. Because once Obama jumps into the mix, a lot of times that sort of um, ignites the right and gets mm. them up in arms, gives them something to focus on. Uh, it, it certainly takes the media's attention off of whatever awful thing Trump has done because now they're reporting on what Obama has said. Um, and mm-hmm. so I think that it's just about not adding fuel to the fire and sort of letting someone take themselves out. Sometimes that's the fastest and easiest way. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the second one, too, is that I think that if Obama were active on the on a daily basis, that we would see an actual genuine rift in this country because you'd have – people start crying out for Obama to be president again. And, and I, <laughs> well, I, I mean, that anyway, 
<laughs> that's true. That's true. But yeah, they've been doing that since November. Yeah. That's that's fair. But I think that there would be. I think I think it would be a lot more serious of an effort. And I and not just Obama specifically. But what I'm saying is that if Obama were interacting politically on a daily basis, I think that we would see people um, like talking like revolutionary style, overthrow the government type of shit. That's what mm-hmm. happens when you get too many leaders in one spot. People get confused, don't know who to, who is accountable for what, and then that's how civil wars and revolutions break out. But I do kind of agree with Andrew on this, where the Democratic Party just only has so many prolific figures that represent the party. We don't. We all we have. Like we have Hillary, we have Obama, we have. Uh, Shoot, uh, who, who, who else? Bernie do we Sanders. Have? We have, yeah, we have Bernie Sanders, and we just. The thing is, is that all the people that we just mentioned, uh, the the right, especially Trump, has a lot of fuel against them. Like he has a lot of jokes. He has a lot of uh, he has a lot of sayings and and word bites that he has on the ready to say anything to them. The thing is, is that we that's what we need we need figures that he doesn't have any uh any 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 stuff on ammo against yeah yeah like uncle joe <laughs> but well or, yeah, auntie yeah, maxine I, mean, I, I don't know i i i i see your point elisa about you know rolling around in the mud but i would like to see more of a presence from obama and hillary in particular because I think they could both make a big impact right now. We can see from Obama's tweet becoming the most liked tweet of all time that people people want to hear from him. They want these messages of hope right now. They want to hear some sane political figures. I think Hillary, too, should get out of the woods, get out of Broadway. Every time I turn around, there's pictures of her at some new show. Come back to reality, Hillary, and speak out. Make more grandma jokes. Remember that Kofefi one she tweeted? Those those in Kofefi houses shouldn't throw Kofefi stones. Like it was a really it was a really bad joke. But point is it's nice to hear from her. It's nice to see that these people are still out there. But uh, even so, like leader. Hillary's not who it is. Hillary's barely saying anything and he and the right is still attacking her. So enough of these three white people talking. We want to hear from some of our listeners. And since this has turned into our main focus of the show today, there's just so much to talk about here. Uh, we are going to skip the news that I mentioned earlier in the episode and, and focus on this. We will get to some confessions that respond mm-hmm. to last week's confessions because they're, they're pretty funny. Uh, first, we're going to call Shane. He's a longtime listener of the show. Hello, this is Shane. Hey, Shane, what's up? It's Millennial. Hi. How's it going? How's it going, man? Uh, You know, I live in L.A., so I am sitting in traffic. (laughs) Great. Where are you stuck? Uh, I'm on the 5. There's a Dodger game in like two hours, so uh, pretty sure that has something to do with it. Well, you should transfer to the 10 and then take La Cienega North to the 101. <laughs> take it all the way down. Uh, the Californian. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's good to talk to you. Unfortunately, we're talking under these very unfortunate circumstances. But how are, how are you feeling after this week? 
Um, it's kind of crazy because, you know, it kind of always feels like something is happening and it's just, you just have to find more energy to even engage all the new crazy shit that's happening. Um, and it's weird because like I'm from LA, uh, like I've lived in the South before and I made a fucking beeline back to California because it's terrible there, but it's like, I feel kind of detached because I feel safe here, but you know, I have like family and friends all over the place and I, I just worry about them all the time. Well, what, what do you want to see happen this week or what do you want to see happen now? Um, honestly, it's, it's really important for like empathy to kick in because like people who have never been, you know, in a situation like where they're just always marginalized, they just have no idea. Um, and so it's, it's important to just to talk to people. I mean, like, like we're doing right now, you know, it's, it's, like I actually posted in the Facebook group not long ago, um, there are some people who think that black kids go to college for free just because they're black. And it's like, that's a ridiculous thing. But if you just haven't ever talked to a black person ever in your life, then sure, that sounds plausible. Because plenty of people go to school for free, but not just because of the color of their skin. Yeah. Is there anything Trump can say at this point that would like make you feel better about his comments the past couple of weeks or like is is there anything he could possibly do to make you feel better about him? Um other than I resign, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good yeah, one. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> That's yeah, like I I I don't think so because it's like he's not like nothing is a surprise really. Like he's been telling us that he's a terrible person all along, like for decades. Like his right. father was a terrible person before him. So it's just kind of like he's not going to change. Like this is who he is. Right. Yeah, I agree. At this point, we all know the kind of person that he is. So we can't really say anything that'll make us think different. He's already showed it to us. One thing I wanted right. to ask you, I wanted to ask you, um, you know, a lot of a lot of people of color are saying that that they're sort of really sad and upset about these events over the weekend, but they're really not surprised that the thing that surprises them most is that anyone is surprised. What do you? How did you feel? I mean, when you saw this stuff unfolding, were were you shocked, or were you more like, "Ah, oh, god damn it"? No, not at all. Like because, like I said, like I actually actually went to college in Atlanta, and okay. like while I was there, like I always had in the back of my mind, I need to be careful. Like I need to not be in certain parts of Georgia. I need to not be in certain parts of town at certain times of night. Like one time I got pulled over um, and it's just because like I was driving kind of fast, you know, but I was like, I am not going to stop my car on this dark road in the middle of Atlanta in the middle of the night. Like, so I put on my hazard lights and I made the police officer follow me to a gas station because it's like, this is a daily thing. Like it's getting more press now. 
but it never stopped. Like, you know, people have been disappearing and being mistreated and being imprisoned and all of these things, like, for hundreds of years. Like, it might have been reduced um, over time, but it never stopped. Yeah. So what can, (sighs) what can, what can we do? What can, what can people who want to be allies, what can white people do? Like what, I, I know I, I, I have ideas of what I can do to help, but I don't want to assume like, what would you like to see from us? Do you want us to just be speaking out all the time or, or what? Uh, yeah, honestly, just making your presence known because it's like, Cause like I hear more from you guys on the podcast than I hear from some of my friends that are white. And it's like, I try to push it down in my mind, but it's like, do you not care? Are you not aware? Are you just like so tuned out that it's like not even on your radar? You know, it's like, like, yeah, just, just paying attention, like having conversations and it's just, it helps to, it helps to just give an effort, you know? Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. No, that's Shane. solid. Yeah. It was good talking to you, Shane. Where are you heading in LA? Likewise. I actually I'm actually heading to the Dodger game, so oh. it's not terrible <laughs> that I'm in traffic, but uh, um you know, it just sucks that I'm not on the other side of it yet. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. Well uh thanks again. Have fun Enjoy at the game. the game. Go Dodgers. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah. Thanks, Shane. We'll talk to you later. Right. They're doing really well. Oh, good, right. good. We none of us follow ball base, so we we don't we didn't know that. So thank you for enlightening us. <laughs> what did you say, ball base? Yeah, it's called oh, ball base. All right, talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Okay, let's call another one of our black listeners. By the way, Shane's email when he emailed in, to, uh, he said, "Hi, I'm a black guy." <laughs> No, I like it though. I was straightforward. You know, we we're trying to hear from people of color, so I'm glad he was just like, "Hey, yeah. hey, like, listen, this one right here, let's talk." No, I mean we've we, we've gotten emails from him before. That's how he always heads these emails. I from. knew his yeah. name was familiar. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen. I yeah, he's cool. Yeah, he's he's very active in our listener base. He's he's a great guy. All right, now we're calling Yeshi. Hello. Hi, Yeshi. Yeah, this is Yeshi. Hey, it's Millennial. How are you? Hey, I'm all right. How are you? Good, good. We we wanted to hear from you. Um, tell us about yourself. You say you live in Richmond, Virginia, and you're about an hour away from Charlottesville? Yeah, um, I live pretty close to Charlottesville. And I actually went to UVA. I graduated like two years ago, 2015. Mm-hmm. So. Wow. Congrats. I'm kind of close to the, to the incident. Yeah. Yeah. Um, did you know anybody that was there? I know some people that were in Charlottesville. Um, I don't think I knew many people that were a part of any of the like demonstrations or anything. But I saw a lot of people posting about, um, you know, like hearing and seeing stuff. So Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. You, you wrote in your email, you have some thoughts in all caps. So, so tell us how you're <laughs> feeling after this this week. I have a lot of thoughts, but I'll try to keep it uh, short and sweet to the point. Um, so for me, one of the things that's really been frustrating about all of this is the whole like both sides thing. 
And I think Trump really was like honing in on that, like, you know, both sides were, you know, wrong in this. And I just feel like there's this whole idea that people have like, like neo-Nazis or whatever, or white supremacists, whatever you want to call them, that they have their opinions. And, you know, the rest of us have ours and we're all just, you know, having our opinions and it's fine. But like their opinions, I mean, we have to be able to call out certain opinions as just being factually wrong. I mean, if you're saying like, hey, white people are the superior race, like that's just, it's not accurate. There's no scientific evidence that supports that. It's just incorrect. And so I really feel like that is one of the things that we need to take from that is that we can't just allow people to have their wrong ass opinions. We have to, we have to say something sometimes or else it just kind of festers and it grows and we kind of enable and embolden people like that. So that's one thing. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. Totally. Yeah. I want to know, is there anything Trump could do at this point to make you feel better about his remarks? He he's really fucked up. Is there anything he could say or do that would make you ever even sort of kind of respect him again? Well, you know, when he, I mean, I have zero respect for him in general, but, um, when he said the one remark before he kind of rescinded everything, when he said like, you know, KKK and Nazis don't have a place, whatever, whatever the fuck he said, I don't remember the exact wording. But I thought that was pretty, like, solid. I mean, I didn't feel like it was genuine, but I feel like that was a somewhat appropriate response. But then, of course, he had to turn around and kind of take it back. And so it doesn't, it it just doesn't seem like anything he says at this point will be sincere. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, the reason that that good statement worked was because it wasn't written by him. It was written by somebody intelligent who knew how to mm-hmm. right. calm a crisis. I don't even think Trump yeah. knows what what a sincere reaction or opinion is. Because yeah. he will just lash out to anyone who says he's wrong about something. Yep. And he'll say something that's even right. worse. Just because he wants to be either the last person that says something or just the person that wins the argument by just saying something even more worse. Like just what he said, fire and fury. It was harsh. You know what? I don't think it was harsh enough. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's like, I, you don't really even want to hear what his sincere thoughts are on anything. Cause yeah. they're going to be like drivel. It's just going to have no value. Mm-hmm. And he gets angry when he gets in trouble. That's that's probably one of the main reasons why he lashed out like he did this week. Being, was because yeah. we told him what he said was not right. Being close to Charlottesville, right. have you thought about going to any events responding to what unfolded? Have there have you heard of anything that you've been tempted to go to? Yeah, there have been events like um there was the memorial that was today, but I didn't want to make that drive. It's my day off. <laughs> I kind of wanted to stay home. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of, like, I have a friend who has a wedding next month up in Charlottesville, and I just feel weird about going there now. Yeah. Um, I feel weird about, I mean, it's so bizarre because it's like a small city, and just seeing it on CNN, like, Anderson Cooper is talking about Charlottesville, and I'm seeing, like, pictures of, you know, people with these tiki torches chanting about how they hate blacks and Jews and gays or whatever in front of like buildings that I went to school in every day, you know? 
Yeah. In mm-hmm. front of like the rotunda headlines. where I was graduating. Yeah. 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 It must be it's, surreal. It's really bizarre. So, so what, what, what do you want to see happen now? I think, I don't know. I think the best thing that we can do in general is to make sure that we don't normalize white supremacy. I mean, it's already normalized, but I think we have to question it and call it out, not just in the sense of, you know, a bunch of angry white guys marching with tiki torches, but in our everyday lives. Um, I think a lot of people feel very complacent and feel like they can say, well, you know, those people are bad people, but I voted for Obama and I don't say the N-word, so I'm not racist, you know? Right. But I think we really need to reevaluate our own opinions and our own biases, black people, white people, whatever your race is. Um, and I think we need to call out other people's too. Because I think when we give validity or, um, I don't know, when we, when we allow people to kind of have room to grow with that, it just allows them to feel like they have a valid opinion and like what they're saying is accurate and it's accepted. I agree. I agree. It's important to hold. I think that, I think that one of the things that everyone feels pretty comfortable doing is to post to social media, um, whenever something like this happens and to speak out against it, I see that a lot, but what I think troubles people oftentimes are having the uncomfortable confrontations with your immediate friends, relatives, et cetera. Um, and, and, but those are the confrontations that have the largest impact posting your rage to a friends list that by and large already agrees with you, uh, is important still to to make it you know clear to to people of color um, and what have you that that you're on their side, but that's not quite good enough anymore, in my opinion. I think mm-hmm. sometimes we have to have those difficult conversations with our family and our friends. And you know, I'm not saying yeah. to be an asshole about it, but I'm saying you have to call it out in your own home when you see it. Mm-hmm. Right. I think that's one of the biggest. Uh, issues that are making the right and left even more contrast is we we antagonize the other person for being either uh, ignorant or racist or saying something that's racist and they don't think so the you need to have like a certain dialogue and be on the same level at least make them feel like they are on the same level because they will be more inclined to listen to what you say instead of feel like they are being attacked. No one likes to be told like they're racist or that they're ignorant, but they, but they will be more susceptible to um, having a discussion about it and learning if they know that they're not being attacked. And that's what's happening on the internet a lot is that people will immediately call somebody like a racist or a bigot or something. And Immediately after that, that person could not even give a less of a shit of what you, why you think that they are like that. Yeah. And I think it means more coming from like someone that's like you. So, you know, I'm black. So if my, if one of my family members says something that is, you know, anti-Semitic, then it probably means more to them if I say something about it than if they hear it from a Jewish person, because it's easy to dismiss it as like, oh, they're just sensitive. Exactly. Right? They're just taking it personally. Mm-hmm. 
Exactly. So I think we all need That's to be better about that. I completely agree. That is a really important takeaway here. What you just said is that it, it means more when it's coming from someone who isn't part of that demographic, because now you don't mm-hmm. have the argument that you're just being sensitive. Um, and, and it also means more coming from family. There's been, I have, I have ruined a couple of Thanksgivings because someone <laughs> was, um, in, in my family's case, it was, you know, gay slurs and being homophobic. And, and you know what? Ruin your Thanksgiving. I'm not saying you, you start by saying, hey, you're a homophobe. Get the fuck out of my house. I'm not saying you approach it like that. You know, you can you can approach it diplomatically and try and explain, hey, you know, I, just to let you know, I, that's pretty offensive and here's why. Like, you can be cool about it, but you've got to say it. You've got to fucking say it. Your turkey can wait. Like, it's not that important. <laughs> All right, Yashi. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts. We appreciate them. Yeah. And uh, thank you for calling. No problem. Thank you. Thank you so much. And should we call one more person? A Jewish? Yeah, let's do one more. Yeah. Let's call Sasha. Hello? Hi, Sasha. Hi. Hey, it's Millennial. How's it going? Hey, guys. How are you? All right. All right. We're calling a couple listeners to share thoughts. You emailed in. You're. You're you're a Jew- Jewish listener since 2007, by the way. That's awesome. Thank you. You've been Jewish since yeah. 2007. Yeah, she's, yeah, she converted in 2007. Pretty yeah, remarkable. That's, yeah, yeah, you got awesome that talk. exactly right. No, I've been listening forever. This is awesome. Awesome, awesome. Um, well, I'm yeah, sorry it's I under these Laura. circumstances, but what's that? Yeah. Oh, I was just saying that I got to meet Laura um, last year at the Wizarding World. So that was really cool. Oh, well, that works out good because she's not on this week. So now you've collected oh. all four of us. So. <laughs> oh, great. I collected all like four. Like Pokemon. Yeah. Yeah, collectibles. Laura, Laura heard we were calling you and she was like, oh, I already met her. I spoke to her. I don't need that. I think I know my mistake was I wore my MuggleNet shirt that day to try to impress her. But then she hates MuggleNet. So I... I I clearly do that. <laughs> yeah, she filed a restraining order against you as soon as she saw it. See, I, always, I, I wanted a muggle cast one, but I could never get one because of, you know, you, you couldn't sell them anymore. And then yeah. I only had the other one. So, mm. but well, no, I'm sorry. This is serious. It's okay. Burn, burn, burn <laughs> the letters nets off that shirt and etch in cast. And there you go. You have a right. muggle cast shirt. Then Laura right. will speak to you. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, you have some thoughts. How, how are you feeling after the past few days? What's it? What's it feel like being a, a Jewish and watching all this unfold? Um, I mean, it's horrible. It's it's a disgrace. It was it was a shock to watch some of these videos and and see the chanting and all of that. And um, anytime you see the swastika symbol, it's it's just something that hits you. Um, and it's terrible, and I think that the president's response was terrible. Um, I I don't remember if it was Colbert or John Oliver who said something like it, it's it's almost impossible to mess up a response to a neo-Nazi white yeah. nationalist rally. It's you know how do you mess that up? Um, and yet what he said, it, and yet yeah, what he said was inadequate and. In, too late and um it can it's not getting better as he revises it um and yeah i'm feeling for all the other people out there too 
but I did have a thought on um, on Judaism here, and and I just a distinction that I think is important to make about um, the difference between anti-Semitism in this country currently and racism, because mm-hmm. it's important to it's important to distinguish um, being a white Jew. I think that I think that it's it's just it's just important to recognize that it it doesn't uh, it's not the same thing um, as being a person of color, and there there is anti-Semitism in this country. I've experienced it. Obviously, we've seen it in in uh, these types of rallies and in subtler ways with stereotypes and and smaller things like that. But at the same time, it's not uh, systematic and. Um, as an Ashkenazi white Jew like I am, um, I can pass as white Christian if I need to. Um, and sometimes it's just assumed that that's what I am. So I have the, the choice on whether or not I want to reveal my religion. Right. And that's something that um, people of color don't have. Uh, right. So while it's, you know, it's horrible, it's, it's just important to still recognize that and that being a white Jew doesn't make me less white because sometimes I see these articles out there that are pointing out, Oh, I'm not white. I'm Jewish and these types of things. And it's just, I think that's inappropriate. And I just want to be careful to make sure that um, no one's using kind of being Jewish as a way to escape some of or distance themselves from the white demographic, which can be sort of tempting. I can see, right. that, you know, you wouldn't, you know, but it is it is a difference, and I just think it's important to uh, say that as well. No, I I respect that tremendously. I think that's really insightful. I've I I do see. I you know I think it it should shouldn't need to be said that racism towards people of color and then anti-Semitism towards Jews are like equally heinous. Um, but it's you know I never really thought about it. you know it's true that if some Jews, many Jews don't have, you don't necessarily know that they're Jewish. And so it's not as unsafe sometimes in certain circumstances because they shouldn't have to pass. You shouldn't have to pass for white just to be safe. But unfortunately, you know, at least that option exists in critical circumstances. But if you're a person of color, you can't change that. Um, Nor should you, but that probably just makes it all the more unsafe for people of color that they don't even have that option to, uh-huh. to do that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's all that I wanted to say. Yeah. What would you, what my, my last question for you, what do you think, you know, as white people, what can we be, what can we be doing? Not, you know, just to be allies of people of color, but to the Jewish community, because I got to tell you, I was watching that Vice documentary. I don't know if you saw that, but they had this 22-minute documentary. It's on their Facebook page. You haven't seen it. And one of the things that struck me the most about it was the rampant anti-Semitism. I went into it thinking, okay, this is the KKK. I expect to hear some awful bigotry uh, towards black people. But they really... they, they They would not shut up about... They're, they're bigoted views about about Jews, and I was shocked. Um, mm-hmm. So, what can what can you know? 
non-Jews white people do to be helpful to you to you guys in during this period and when things like this arise? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that just giving it a voice, um, calling it out, exactly what you just did, giving it some um, attention, just bringing attention towards the anti-Semitism. There are a lot of people that will deny that it goes on in this country and um, a lot of people... I've met many people that tell me I'm the first Jew that they've ever met, which is, you know, American. What? Um, and people don't really know, and they really? go, yeah, I know, I know. Where are you? And I where, I'm sorry, New- where are you from? I live in New York. I live what? in New York City. Oh, what? Um, but people people come here from all over. Right. But, but people, um, people, people just see sort of famous Jews, and then they kind of build an opinion off of, you know, Jews are successful because I see Jews that are actors, and I see Jews that are doctors and then there's the stereotypes and they put together what they think um but to give a voice to the fact that anti-semitism is real and is happening in this country um i think is the best thing that you can do just to make sure that it's not forgotten or denied or brushed to the side um okay yeah yeah okay well thank you so much for sharing your thoughts we appreciate it and thanks for being a longtime listener and yeah, thank you so much. We'll tell Laura. Thank you, you seriously. Hi. Hi. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, tell her I'll try to. I'll I'll have my makeshift smuggle cast shirt for, or you know, even better. I'll just have a millennial shirt next time. That'll perfect. That'll there you go. Yes, there you go. I like that. All right. Yeah. Goodbye. Okay. Bye. Bye. Great to hear from some of our listeners on this very important issue. Changing gears now, we are going to read some confessions about last week's confessions. So, Matt, let me brief you catch. Uh, let me briefly catch you and some of our okay. listeners up who may not have listened last week. Um, we were all afraid North Korea was about to blow up America, or at least Guam. So, we all just wanted to get confessions off our chests during these final moments. Uh, luckily, our excellent leader Donald Trump has made North Korea back down. Uh, They have decided that they are going to hold off on firing at Guam for now uh, to see what President Trump does next. So, Just like the rest of the world. Yeah, basically. (laughs) (laughs) But we did get some more confessions. Those last week's confessions did inspire other confessions. I I confess something myself, and I must admit I'm feeling embarrassed that I came clean with it (laughs) now that I know we actually might live for another couple of months. Um, Okay. Somebody wrote in, I lost a lot of respect for Andrew Sims, the homewrecker, last episode. He was one of my favorite podcast hosts. I thought he was a good person, but I can't unfollow him on Twitter because he tweets good shit. <laughs> so now I feel like an accomplice to his behavior. Well, you are. What is what is this? Well, I... Well, what confession was this? I'm afraid... Now that we're living longer, I, I'm just going to have to tell you to listen to last week's episode because I am i can't admit it anymore. Why? No, tell me. <clears throat> Andrew confessed that he has no problem sleeping with people who are already in relationships. That's right, okay. because it's, but, it's going on but right have now. You? Yeah, yeah. In fact, I mean, there's, there's. This is an active <laughs> oh thing my god. in my life. Oh god! What? Uh, no. Okay. So. <clears throat> Ooh, excuse me. Well, we don't need to get back into it, but oh, just, I think we do. But uh, don't let we, Tim But know. we have to continue the show. Yeah, we do. We do. But anyway, I'm glad you're you're sticking around on Twitter. I won't say anything like that on Twitter. 
So the next confession, <laughs> we're going we're gonna to let Andrew off the hook for now. The next confession says, I'm just now listening to your After Dark episode where Andrew complains about Mike not flushing the toilet. I have the same issue with my roommate. Thankfully, it usually just involves pee, but even pee stinks after a while. God. Oh, <laughs> what is oh, this? I typically find the unflushed pee in the morning, and so I'm led to believe she isn't forgetting to flush, but deliberately not flushing because she went during the middle of the night. I'm a deep sleeper, and our toilet makes a pretty standard flushing sound, so her purpose of doing this kind of evades me. This doesn't happen too often, but I am uncomfortable to bring it up. Thankfully, um, she is moving out soon, but I do wonder, is this proper behavior? Do you guys flush the toilet even in the middle of the night? <laughs> Fuck yeah. Uh, no, I don't. What? What? No, I don't flush d- during the middle of the night. Why? Why? Uh, Andrew, you know this. I never oh, do. Oh, God. Why? No, I don't know. Why not? It's not Are like you- I take a shit and leave it in. It's just, uh, okay, first of all... For this email, this confession, my, I think you should just, you sh- you could have just brought it up and say, hey, um, I don't know if you're uh, not flushing because you don't want to wake me up and it's the middle of the night, but I have absolutely no problem with you flushing. So there you go. But Matt, why? Uh, what are you? What are you referring to? Did you not used to flush? If I wake up, if I wake up at two or three in the morning and I just go to pee, I sometimes I don't flush. Because and then I flush in the morning, and then I go pee in the morning, and I flush it. Because, because, because what? Well, <laughs> it's why just don't not you as- flush? Because I don't want to. I I, I don't want to wake anyone up, and also I don't. Okay. I mean, well, especially now still- that I have a dog, I don't want to wake him up because then he thinks oh, I'm going to take him for a walk. The dog sleeps all day; he can deal with it. That's crazy. No, right, it was, Lisa, no. What's going on? I don't know. I flush the toilet in every circumstance. Wait, yeah. wait. So, so Mike didn't flush the toilet? Well, yeah, just but not because it was a middle of the night thing. Because he was just forgetting or some shit. No pun intended. Uh, it was it was terrible. But I'm I'm what, with this was listener. it just pee or was it like a combination? No, it was sometime. poop. It was poop. <laughs> but I don't I don't understand I don't understand Ooh. I don't understand why it's hard to I, I mean I'm with this listener. It is hard to bring up. I don't think I ever brought it up because what am I supposed to say? And he's the type of person who's sensitive. So if I bring it up, it's like I'm yelling at him. I'm just looking out for my nose. Yeah, but then if you don't say it, then it's not going to get fixed. Here's another one. Another confession. I was listening to your conversation in the last episode about talking to people online for a few weeks before meeting in person. Here are my thoughts. I understand why someone would want to talk to someone online a few weeks before meeting. But let me try that again. I understand why someone would want to talk to someone online a few weeks before meeting, but I tend not to like doing that. My reasoning is you can have wonderful and unique conversations with someone through text, but it just cannot compare to conversations in person. I'm an introvert, so I get the hesitation, but I feel like people, me included, can be different people when talking through text. I met a guy on OkCupid and met, I think, about two or three days after chatting. I admit that was really quick, but we hit it off so well in person. We dated a while, and although we aren't together anymore, he continues to be one of my best friends. I'd say if you are nervous about getting out there, take your time, but also if someone seems interesting enough, meet for coffee. In a public place, of course, you can never be too careful. It can't hurt to meet people in person right away because keeping it online can be very isolating and avoiding the dreaded socializing 
us introverts fear will only grow more if you never practice. It's a good point. Mm-hmm. Uh, by it's, the way, I did meet Patrick last uh, over the weekend while I was in Chicago. He's a good guy. We hung out. Oh, got a nice. couple drinks. Did you bone? We even and? took. T- did we bone? No. Mm-mm. None of that. No. I, I, wow, Elisa, why do you think I would do that? <laughs> well, I mean, you do paint quite a picture. You, Andrew, it was three minutes ago. We just discussed how you'll fuck like married dudes and shit, or you know, and you're like, well, I don't care. Well. Not on the first date. Now, I wait a while before now doing you're that. Like a shrinking <laughs> but okay. Oh, dude. <laughs> I I do I do agree though. Uh, when you're talking to someone online, especially via like messaging or even texting, bef- uh, before you meet the person, can be a little dangerous because texting and uh, messaging back and forth that gives the person time to think of what they're going to say or reply. And it doesn't really give you a good sense of what kind of a person this is. Yeah. Because you get to know the person more when they are talking off the cuff, like they're talking as an actual person, instead of trying to say the right thing. And so they'll they'll go through a couple drafts even sometimes, and then they'll send you the, the, the reply. So I would recommend, if you, really, if you really think that you might be interested in this person, try to meet as soon as possible, because that's when it actually starts. Yeah, I do agree. People can be different in person versus online. I actually know somebody who who is hard, doesn't talk much like via text, but like in person, like totally fine. Talks a lot. Um, so yeah, but uh, but Patrick also he he had told us he was avoiding apps, which I think, and he just wants to meet somebody naturally out out in the the streets of Chicago, or you know clubs or whatever. But yeah, but and I think that's cool. I think there's something to be said for that because when you, I think I said this last week, when you do meet somebody naturally uh, in real life, it it can be really great if there's um, chemistry right off the bat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Final confession. After hearing last week's end times confessionals, I wanted to add mine. <laughs> I've secretly fantasized about marrying Andrew since I started listening to MuggleCast over a decade ago. We recently talked on a dating app and he ended up ghosting me and now I feel very, very empty. Andrew, you do this a lot, don't you? This is fake fucking news. I went, I read this and then I went into my Twitter to see if I've ghosted anybody and the answer is no. So I think somebody's screwing with us, and I I've don't appreciate it. About ma- well, if An- oh, for this person, even if Andrew does get married, he could probably still have a chance with him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, but it's no, true. It's, no, it mm. is not. No, I'm turning a new. I'm I'm new new leaf for me. I'm I'm no the longer. Fuck you are. I'm an angel from here on out. It's true. I'm moving moving to Chicago in about a month. New city, new me. There you go. You're moving to a city where no one knows you, so that's why you get you, the the slate is clean. Yeah, exactly. I have some new homes to wreck. No, me. I'm de- I'm deleting Tinder, and me and Patrick are going to go find somebody naturally. There you go. We have a lot more coming up on After Dark today. We are going to be taking a question from one of our Patreon supporters. She wants help coming up with pregnancy photo ideas, so we're going to have some fun with that. And we also have some listener feedback based on last week's discussion on the Google Memo Writer 
That's Psycho. One of our listeners, David, wrote in with some interesting thoughts about that. And we're also going to talk about a new service that lets you see an unlimited number of movies every month, and it's only $10 a month in your local movie theater. But AMC is pissed. So we're going to talk about if we think this is a good idea and if if this can last in this current day and age. Everybody stay strong. Fight the good fight. Thanks again to uh, the people we spoke to. Yeshi, Shane, Sasha. I appreciate hearing from you. And I know a couple other people offered to speak to us as well. We'll write back to you over email. Thank you for uh, offering the opportunity to speak to you here on the show. Um, I just want to let everybody know that some new benefits are coming to our Patreon, so please keep an eye out for that. Patreon.com slash millennial. We appreciate your support over there. When you do pledge, you will instantly receive access to a lot of bonus content, including today's episode of After Dark. And by the way, you get a you get a special RSS feed, which you can pop into your RSS reader or your or your podcasting app, I should say, and you'll get all of our bonus content, bonus audio content delivered right to your phone, tablet, computer, automatically. It's really wonderful. I wanted to give a quick recommendation. American History X. For anyone who hasn't seen it, now would be a really good time. Show it to a white supremacist near you. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Thanks, everybody, for listening. I'm Andrew. I'm Elisa. And I'm Matt. And this song is for all the Nazis, Klansmen, white supremacists out there. Your point of view is for you. Find yourself wishing you had more energy, healthier habits, or fun family activities? At the YMCA, you can find your passion, find family fun, and find your happy place, all while supporting your community. Join the Y in March with a $0 enrollment fee and enjoy motivating group exercise classes, heated pools, pickleball, and so much more. Visit YMCADC.org to learn more and to find your nearest Y in D.C., Maryland, or Virginia today.